You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Who knew just how horrifying your favorite childhood franchise could be? My new friend, Silver Studios, joins us tonight with his sultry voice to bring to life these five creepy Pokemon creepypasta. Pokemon was my absolute favorite game series as a child, and now many brilliant authors have twisted the Pokemon universe into some terrifying short stories. So enjoy, and try not to think about me wearing my Pikachu Snuggie as I narrate this, because that is a horror story in itself. If you like Silver Studios narration, be sure to subscribe to him via the link in the description. And also a huge thanks goes out to David S., the super talented artist of the thumbnail for this video. Check the link in the description for his Patreon, where he rewards his supporters with more nightmare fuel illustrations of the Pokemon you love. Number one, Frozen Lost. It wasn't long ago that I got lost in these icy mountains. I was venturing out in the wilderness to find some ice Pokemon to help me with my next gym. I didn't realize how far I'd gotten until I looked back and the mountains I'd passed before all looked the same. Of course, I could have looked for my footsteps in the snow to make my way back, but with the storm that was taking place during my hike, the snow soon covered my dents in the snow. I can only imagine it's been a few days since I've been up here. I've managed to survive by eating the snow and ice as water and some dry food that's been in my backpack ever since I started my journey. It was all in case I got lost, which unfortunately, now is that case. It's been hard to stay warm in this climate, some days my layers just aren't doing it. Due to the hail and snowstorms, even when it's still and the sky is clear, it's still at freezing point. I packed extra layers, but as I said, they're just not working. I've been trying to move around as much as possible so my body heat can keep generating, and it gave me the time to try and call for help, but nonetheless, nothing has worked so far. I've had sleepless nights trying to get comfortable but I already reckon the frostbite has gotten to my body, stopping myself from going to sleep. I tried reading through my Pokedex to see if there was anything my Pokemon team could do to help. The only thing I found was that my Darumaka could do. It reads, Darumaka is a round red Pokemon with an orange face and yellow curly eyebrows. It has three yellow ovals in its abdomen and a curvy yellow line on its back. Its paws are orange and have three digits each. It has very warm droppings, which ancient people put in their clothes to keep themselves warm. I sighed. As unhygienic as it was, it might save my life. So I kept feeding Darumaka as much as I could. 
Everyone else in my team got an unfair amount of food, and they even began to fight between themselves. But if it was going to save us all, then that's what we were going to do. The five of them avoided Dharmaka, seeing him as now an enemy more than a friend, like he used to be. Food is currently running tight, as I now have to resolve to eating ice and snow. Hopefully I can hold on longer by eating it, rather than drinking water, but it's not good for warmth, as all ice and snow does is melt when exposed to heat, which, ironically, Dharamaka's body was currently doing, especially as a fire type. Every time I feel a harsh blow of wind flowing into the cave we're in, all I can think about is that myth about the woman getting lost in the ice caps and becoming a frost lass. Was it actually true? Maybe it's just an old wives' tale. Surely, if I died right here and right now, I wouldn't become a frost lass. To keep myself occupied when I can't sleep, I read through different Pokedex entries to discover more things on different Pokemon, to see if I can catch some that could help me, because I know my days are running out, and that's when I came across the frost lass entry and how it came to be the way it is. Its description was even more terrifying, causing me to be a bit cautious. I should probably stay away from a frost lass if I ever see one, a Glalie too. Who knew Pokemon could be so disturbing? Days have passed, and I'm growing desperate. There's no more food, and Darumaka isn't much help anymore. The Pokemon are fighting amongst themselves and I have to break it up half the time. Some of them have some violent wounds that are bleeding heavily. I keep them in their Pokeballs more often so that they can be safe. Darumaka is out nearly all the time though to see if he could be of any extra help, but it's no use. No food means no heat. Plus, I've recently been hearing something around the caves. The first time I heard it, I staggered to my feet and called out to see if anyone was there. Even though there was no reply, I knew I wasn't alone. I looked around for a while, but found no one. Either I was hearing things from being so tired and hungry, or someone was avoiding me and leaving me to die, watching me die. The more the hours and days passed, the more I heard those sounds coming from the cave. Countless times I'd gotten up to look, but still, nobody was there. But there was one time, while it was still night, and the only light I had was from my Pokedex, I saw another glow come from the other side of the cave. I slowly looked up, so I wouldn't startle what was there in case it ran off. I saw a glowing blue light, the epitome of what people would color as ice, but not only blue, I saw a light yellow. I squinted my eyes to see if I could see more, and it appeared to be two hollow-like eyes. There was a shining ring of purple around them, Afraid and curious, I inched forward, making my way towards the figure, spotting more features as I moved closer. Its skin looked to be made of silk like a kimono, and at the top of its head was something that looked like a rock, or a diamond at least. I already knew what it was as soon as I studied those features 
it was a frost lass. I inhaled deeply without letting go, and I inched backward to my original position. All I could hear in my ears was my speeding heartbeat. I tried to lower myself to the ground as slowly and as quickly as I could without being noticed. As soon as I got to the floor, I put my face first into the snow and I put my hands on top of my head, slowing my breathing and keeping it as quiet as I could. Not only did I not have a Pokemon out, but I also didn't have the strength to fight with the condition I was in. I didn't want to mess with a wild Pokemon, especially one as dangerous as Frostlass, like I'd read. A few minutes passed, and I soon felt the presence of a being behind me. I stopped my breathing. I waited, pretending I was dead. If so, it may leave me alone, I thought. Suddenly, I felt these surprisingly warm, arm-like joints lifting me up by my shoulders. I swallowed and turned my head to see that the frost lass had lifted me up to my knees. I was surprised that it could carry such weight at its size. I gave it an awestruck look. It closed its eyes in a way like it was smiling, a friendly gesture for something I was afraid of. I clearly had judged it too quickly. Can, can you help me? I spoke, my voice bitter with cold, shivering with tiredness. It looked into my eyes with its own, the glowing still showing, shutting off for a few seconds as it blinked. No light was showing each time it did. It then nodded and let go of me. As it floated there, it was majestic and beautiful, glowing like a gem. I stared at it like it was holding some kind of charm on me, longing to gain its grace. I soon felt a cracking in my joints. I was so tired I was about to collapse. I would possibly die from the cold if I passed out. I moved my arms around to generate some heat, but no good. The more I moved, the more they cracked. It hurt. I groaned and struggled. Frostlass, please help me and my Pokemon. I called out, my quiet voice struggling, but it just stared at me. Then it put its arms in front of itself, looking like it was about to give me something, but there was nothing there. I felt more pain come from my joints, and soon the pain spread throughout my entire body. I heard snapping and cracking and lost feeling in my chest and arms. I was too cold to realize, but it was the snapping of my ribs and other bones. Tears formed in my eyes as I felt colder than before, surprised that I could even feel that much colder. I felt my tears freeze on my face. I had to scrape at my eyes like a cat pawing its face. Then I could no longer move. My body was literally frozen and frost grew on my hands and face, traveling across to my hair and chest. I could only stare at that Pokemon, which I soon saw was freezing me, breaking my limbs and freezing my body. Its eyes were no longer friendly. They were dull and dark. Instead of a glowing blue and yellow, they were now a gray and black. Even its colored body and obi had dulled and lost its color by a shade. This frost lass was trying to kill me. I tried to scream, but the freezing stopped me. 
The pain from each joint as they snapped was unbearable. From the immense pain, I somehow knew that all the bones in my body were broken. Bit by bit, the scratching in my eyes had gotten worse as more tears formed and froze, causing them to bleed slightly. The trickling of my blood dripped on my face and froze in place as well. I felt cold from within me, getting worse as I could feel my organs freeze and tear. My body wanted me to vomit, but nothing would come. My innards could no longer function correctly. Instead, I began to spit chunks of bloody ice. I was being frozen inside out and outside in. Everything I spit up cut my esophagus and throat. Something told me I wasn't this frost lass's only victim. I was one of many, maybe thousands. I felt pain like no other as my pulse was beginning to slow down, slower and slower and slower. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. There was nothing more of the trainer when I found him. He was soon frozen up into a tight block of ice. All his bones thoroughly crushed, his eyes, organs, and fluids frozen solid, and his heartbeat had stopped slowly until he was only a statue of his former self. He remained eternally in a position of a scared, crying child. On his knees, eyes closed tight, mouth wide open and hands out in front of him, only time would tell if his Pokemon had died from hunger. Either way, it was too late for him. He was far gone, murdered by a senseless creature, or maybe in this situation, a creature full of sense. I'm not saying be afraid of all Pokemon, and I'm not saying they're all evil. Soulless eyes and blood-stained evil creatures don't exist in our time. But if you ever see a frost glass in the wild, when you're in desperate need of help, never, ever ask it for help. Because when it finds humans or Pokemon it likes, it freezes them and takes them to its chilly den where they become decorations. Number two, Poe Town by John the Addictive. <laughs> 
and read by Silver Studios. When a disturbing city comes to mind, most trainers think of Lavender Town in Kanto, with the mythical story of the White Hand. What usually doesn't come to mind are the horrors of Po Town. My name is Keone. I was born and raised in Po Town. It was my home until 15 years ago. It was a beautiful April morning. Po Town was where the majority of the wealthy people lived on Ula Ula Island. One of them was my father. Although he had no Pokemon, he was the kindest man you'd ever meet. Even at a glance, his smile would make you smile as well. He worked at the Po Town Pokemon Center's calf, and the house I grew up in was the same one he grew up in. If you were entering the town, our house was the third one on the left. As for my mum, she and dad married 13 years before the incident. Mum came from Celadon City. She worked at the Celadon Game Corner until she met dad, who was on vacation. This happened in the summer 15 years before the incident. Anyway, let's get back to the day it happened. It was around 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I knew because weekdays dad would work. On Sundays we'd pray to the tapu in the morning. And on Saturdays, we'd just chill out. But anyway, I was eating breakfast when suddenly there was a knock on the door. My dad had gone to answer it. A deep voice sternly told Dad, Get out. You're in our territory. I could hear my dad calmly telling them that we lived here and it wasn't theirs to take. What came next was what made Poe Town go from feeling like a great place to be, to feeling like a stormy hell to be in. The door slammed and a loud gunshot rang through the house. My mum screamed, and to be honest, I peed my pants. As I gazed over the hallway to the entry, I saw my worst nightmare from the day I was born to this very day. My father lied dead on the ground. I looked at the man. He had white hair and a sinister grin on his face. He also had dark rings around the bottoms of his eyelids, and goggles were on his forehead. He also wore a black shirt and pants. He let out these words. If you won't give it, then I'll take it myself. My mom yelled for me to run, and as I did, she followed behind. We swiftly exited out the back door. I saw the killer holding a knife and a pistol through the window. He said, I failed once, but I won't ever again. Mum and I rushed the Potown police station, where my dad's best friend, Nanu, worked. We told him everything about it. He just stared in disbelief. He went to his desk in anger and sorrow and tried to hold back tears. 
At this point, I was bawling my eyes out, and so was Mum. He softly cried as well. When we finally calmed down, he had the strength to talk. He said, My wife passed from cancer six years ago, and my son was taken away from me by a child molester five years ago. And now, my best friend killed by a psychopath. I'm sorry, but I have nothing left. He opened the desk drawer and grabbed a gun. I was shocked that he was about to commit suicide and instantly pushed him to the floor to stop him. He asked me why I did that and I told him that he doesn't have nothing left to live for as he still had friends and family to live for. I think that he was surprised that a 10 year old had talked him out of suicide. He thanked me and apologized. Mum and I left shortly after. Potown was evacuated immediately, but unfortunately four people were killed, including my dad by the killer. I heard the killer's name was Guzma. He went on to form Team Skull and build a barricade around Potown four months after the incident. Nanu later lost another friend of his four years after the incident and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. He did remember my words not to commit suicide though, and I visit him from time to time. Mum now lives in La City, where she's living in retirement. I go to Kalos to visit her every year, and I, I live in Icky Town now. I went to the celebration of the new Alolan champion. I saw Nanu there, and we chatted about past things. As my dad, he was buried in Haoli Cemetery. Ironically enough though, I sometimes want to die just to see my dad again. He's the one who'd make me smile every day, even on the worst of days. Anyway, I just wanted to say, happy birthday dad. You would have been 65 years old today. Number three, education. We've been together for as long as I can remember, Rotata and I. We bonded instantly when he was presented to me on my birthday. Summers spent frolicking and winters of snowball fights blurred into each other. Before either of us knew it, we were old enough to begin training. Neither of us knew what that meant really, my gym teacher just paired off the students one day, reading Byzantine bylaws before yelling out, fight. I watched in horror as my classmate ordered his sparrow to begin mauling my rattata, all under the approving glare of our instructor. Malice flickered in the eyes of a child I had considered my friend. With each attack, he congratulated his Pokemon on savagery inflicted. When I could take the grizzly scene no more, I forfeited the fight, earning a failing grade in the process. That's when I realized the other trainers didn't care for their Pokemon the way I did. They thought nothing of sending them into arenas, fighting for more amusement. Their sharp, pitiless hunger for fame and fortune 
driving them to commit the kind of atrocities remembered by history books. This is why we did it. This is what strengthened our resolve. There are enough fools wandering around, getting their fix for mindless violence, that posing as one is easy enough. Ask one to duel and they will agree readily, a vacant smile hiding their bloodlust. But when my Radata attacks them directly, do they finally comprehend the pain they've been callously inflicting? As his incisors slice their soft flesh, they gain the gift of understanding. While they are excellent learners, I credit Rattata for being an excellent teacher, always eager and able to spend a little extra time on the more stubborn students. No matter how many people we educate on the nature of violence, there will always be more willing to engage in depravity against Pokemon. The void is never empty long. Evil finds a way to flourish. Our only consolation is that even if it takes a lifetime to fulfill our mission, there's nowhere else we'd rather be than by each other's sides. Number four, The Esper in the Window by Grumpy Ninja and read by Silver Studios. Esper are a well-documented species of Pokemon, largely owing to the fact that many feral members of the species roam the streets of Kalos's largest cities, and many more are kept as pets. While they may appear harmless, cute even, there are more human fatalities attributed to this Pokemon than almost any other species. The unfortunate victims must not have read its Pokedex entries, many of which detail the destructive power of the psychic energy contained by its ears. Esper's creepy, vacant stare, along with legends about its ability to cause twisted, astoundingly vivid nightmares, has sealed its reputation as a harbinger of doom. In Lumio City, the Kalos region's gleaming capital, there lived a boy named Lee. He was quite ordinary. Each day he went to school and returned home six hours later. He usually played video games in his free time, a Pokemon simulator being one of his favourites. At 8.30pm each night, his mother would send him off to bed. However, one night, just as Lee flicked off his light switch, his routine was interrupted by the arrival of a small, grey-furred psychic type standing on his windowsill. The Esper simply stared at him, not moving a muscle. Lee looked back at it, a bit puzzled but otherwise unfazed. After all, everyone knew that Esper couldn't do much to hurt you unless you lifted their ears. Lee tucked himself into bed, uncomfortably aware of Esper staring at him until he finally drifted off to sleep. On that night, Lee dreamed of blackness. Not a single photon bounced around his dreamscape. Come to think of it, he couldn't feel anything either. He wasn't standing on anything, but gravity seemed to be ignoring him. He wasn't sure if he existed here at all. Only one sensory input came to him, which was the sound of a Pokemon crying. Sobs and wails pierced the nothingness, 
gradually decreasing in volume as the source of the sounds began to grow tired. Just as the last few whimpers faded into silence, Lee woke up. He glanced at his windowsill, breathing a sigh of relief when he saw that the Esper was gone. He slid out of bed and changed out of his pajamas in preparation for the coming day. That night, Esper returned. Just as before, it simply stood there. Lavender eyes burned into Lee's soul, unblinking and eerie. Lee tentatively walked up to the small feline, cringing slightly as he tiptoed forward. He slowly extended his pointer finger and lightly touched the Esper on its forehead. There was no response, not even a blink. Lee drew back, his lips curling into a frown of uneasy confusion. Esper, silhouetted by the moon, continued to stare. The boy climbed into bed, pulling the sheet snugly around him. He made a point of facing away from the Esper, but he could still feel its haunting stare on his back. The moment Lee fell asleep, he was greeted by the sight of a little girl was standing right in front of him. Well, maybe she wasn't a little girl, as the only parts of her face not covered in light grey fur were her perfectly round, lavender eyes. Lee had been hoping that he wouldn't have to see that face again, at least not until tomorrow night. Other than that, the dream was largely the same, featuring an infinite void and the crying of a Pokemon. However, as the end of the dream approached, the Pokemon's whimpering was interrupted by a distant wail of pain. As the sun rose, Lee sat up in bed, a worried expression on his face. The dream he had the night before was strange, but this one was just plain disturbing. Was that Esper responsible for this? That girl did have his face. Lee decided that it wasn't worth getting worked up over, and proceeded to go through his day as if nothing had happened. That night, Lee walked into his room, unsurprised to see the Esper standing on his windowsill, staring with its faintly luminous eyes, unmoving. He gave it a half-hearted wave before climbing onto his bed and snuggling into the covers. The Esper-faced girl returned for the dream Lee had that night. She was just as stoic and expressionless as she was in the previous night's dream. Lee could hear the crackle of flames somewhere in the distance. And just as he was beginning to enjoy the ambience, a scream shattered the tranquility. More and more howls and shrieks followed, until Lee felt like adding screams of his own. Several painful looking burns now disfigured the girl's face. Despite this, she remained as expressionless as ever. Lee was unable to look away as pus oozed from the injuries, flowing freely across the girl's visage. The constant screaming was beginning to wear on Lee's sanity. He wanted to cry. He wanted to run away. But his lack of a corporeal body ruled out those options. All he could do was nothing. When morning finally arrived, Lee's sheets were drenched in sweat. 
He lay there, panning for a short while, vowing never to take sunlight or silence for granted ever again. When he sat up, he nearly had a heart attack. Esper was standing on his windowsill. His face was stained with sticky black oil in the same place that the girl's face had been burnt. Lee could do nothing but stare in shock and horror. And when he finally got around to blinking, Esper was gone. He pondered the events of last night's dream over breakfast. At this point, there was no doubt in his mind that his nightly visitor was the cause of his nightmares. But what was it trying to tell him? He'd probably just find out tonight anyway. With the scowl, the boy left for school. That night, Esper was absent from Lee's windowsill. He grinned happily, glad that the nightmares would stop plaguing him, even if only temporarily. After all, if there's no cause present, then the effect can't possibly occur, right? Oh, how wrong he was. Lee dreamed that he was in hell. Everything around him was being consumed by a roaring, ravenous blaze. He could barely see through the thick smoke filling the air. Every gulp of air he took scorched his lungs. Everyone around him was screaming, crying out in pain as the angry tongues of the fire reached him. The little girl from before was among them, but her face was all too human this time. Lee watched numbly as she wailed, becoming one with the flames. Tears streamed down his face. She didn't deserve that. Nobody did. He just wanted this torment to end. He didn't care how. He just wanted to leave this horrid pit of heat behind. Bright spots gradually started to appear in front of him, and he began to feel woozy. Everything grew dimmer, until the flames were just a pretty orange glimmer, and the screams were nothing but faraway sighs. A feeling of calm resignation washed over Lee. Maybe this isn't so bad after all. The lack of oxygen finally caught up to him. A Pokemon cried in the distance. Lee opened his eyes to see a small, grey-furred psychic type sitting on his chest his face only a few inches away from his own. As much as he despised that Esper for putting him through the experience of a fiery death, he had to feel sorry for it too. He was pretty sure he'd finally put the pieces together. That was your family, wasn't it? Esper made no move to confirm or deny this, but Lee sensed that he was on the right track. And you were that Pokemon I heard crying. The boy stared accusingly at the Pokemon, whose stare held just as much intensity. You can live here with me if you want. For the first time since the Inferno had devoured Esper's family, the Pokemon smiled. However, it was a bitter smile, as it accompanied the feline shaking its head no. A moment later, it was gone never to return to Lee's windowsill. And number five, more will come. 
Today was the day that I got Pokemon Heart Gold for my DSi. When I first saw the trailer, I knew it was an epic game, and I was extremely excited for that grass starter, Chikorita. It just looked so good in its evolved form. I kept begging my mom for the game, crying her ears off of her head until she finally said yes. That day, she drove me to the local GameStop, where Pokemon Heart Gold eagerly awaited my eyes. I saw the light reflecting off of it, like a Hollywood movie scene where someone finds a treasure. I quickly pointed it out to my mom. She grabbed it inside as she handed over $40. I couldn't even wait until we got out of the store. I ripped open the box, popped that cartridge into my yellow DSi, and I began to play. About two days later, I'd made my way to the fourth gym leader, Morty, he was called, and I had my character begin to talk to him. He then said these words that were different from the other gym leader introductions. I know that every gym leader has different lines, but Morty's, they were creepy and morbid. Hello there, my name is Morty, and I'm the Acrudiac gym leader. I can also see your fate, would you like to know? A yes and no option appeared on my screen, and of course, interested, I hit yes. The gym leader continued. Hmm, your fate is not good, you see. You will be in a cave, wild Pokemon all around you with no help, and you'll be devoured by the evil that surrounds you. Morty's sprite began to glow red, and the whole gym started to shake. I dropped my DSi, and a flash appeared across the screen. I picked it back up to find the badge on the floor and Morty's headband alongside it. After that incident, I seldom played the game, and soon I forgot about it, until three days later. I'd managed to make my way to Victory Road, and I was near the end, finally. Meganium was the only Pokemon left conscious in my party, and I was determined to make it to the exit. Just as I got there, the spot just before the door, the music for a wild Pokemon played. I knew I would take it down easily, so I was ready for a fight, or so I thought. A group of Donphans, Onyxes, and Rhyhorns were clustered on one side of the field. I tried to run, but the game said, the wild Pokemon have surrounded you. There is no escape. Right away, I recalled Morty's prediction. I decided to fight the odds to change that fate, and I was going to take them all down. Despite how odd and bizarre the game was acting, this just didn't make sense. I commanded my Meganium to use Magical Leaf, but it missed, and then all the wild Pokemon used Rock Tomb all at once, and my Meganium's health dropped to zero. I was shocked, but then the screen continued to show text. You've been trapped under the rocks. The screen went black to the Victory Road screen, and I finally got a good look at my enemy. The wild Pokemon that had jumped me were corroded. Brown gunk covered them, their bodies falling apart as they moved towards my crippled, bloodied character. Their eyes were pure black, with the smallest bright red pupils. Their mouths opened and closed tightly, and they looked like they were machines. Then Morty appeared and he was in the same state as those Pokemon.
Well done, boys, he smiled evilly. Now finish up, and more will come soon. Then I watched in horror, as in this E-rated game, the Pokemon began to eat my character alive. There were blood-curdling screams, and I covered my ears as my eardrums felt like bursting. I looked back at the game to find Morty's eyes pressed up against the screen, bloodshot, black pupils, boring deep into my soul. I screamed and slammed the DSI shut. When I woke up, I was in a hospital room. Apparently, I'd fainted, and I had a high fever and rashes all over me. The doctors said they don't know where the rashes had come from. Maybe it was stress or something I had touched. But I heard them whispering to my mother, saying something about cancerous and growing inside my body. I don't have long to live, I know this, no matter how much they like to lie about it. So I'm writing this to warn others. Don't get the game, because more will come. Let's not forget that Pokemon is a shortening of the words pocket monsters. They're literally monsters, yet we daydream about them being real so we can touch them, love them, and train them in real life. But the thing is, we already have plenty of monsters, often very close to us, under your bed, outside your window, sometimes teaching your class. Monsters can be more real than you even know. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And think about subscribing to Silver Studios with the link in the description. And hey, go out and get yourself Ultra Moon or Ultra Sun tomorrow. You've earned it.